Hey, Ted. Tim. How's it going? Fine. Why? How are you? Oh, good. Oh, great. I'm yeah. great. Yeah, good, 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 good. If I wanted to make today any better, I could shove a chopstick in my eye. Yes, that would improve it. And that could be nicer than uh, what has happened so far. Cruel world. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in and whack your bee. Out of the frying pan, into the next frying pan. And the big chef with his big rosy cheeks is just tossing you back and forth. Frying pan, frying pan, frying pan, frying pan. And then you look up at the chef who is being so cruel to you and you see the face of Elon Musk. <laughs> why, 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 why? Read the headline, read it verbatim because I need to hear it again to pinch myself and know it's real. This is coming straight to you from the AP, the Associated Piss. Quote, Elon Musk says the first human has received an implant from Neuralink. Why not us, Daddy? Oh, wonderful, amazing, wow. I'm glad I found out this way. By the way, this is like seeing a headline in the newspaper that's just like, breaking news, Tim's wife fake brother. Yeah, exactly. It's like adult man's father wins big fish competition. Son nowhere to be seen. Extended trip expected to be extended further. At the very least, Elon could have had the decency to call us, Just to text call. us, to Just tell us. Why not us, Ted? Why not? Like, Why not I us? We did not like this. We did it not, not like, like this. Not like this. Shout out, switch. switch. What did I do wrong? Was my head not smooth enough? I've always thought I had a smooth head and now this is really starting to gaslight me because now I'm thinking maybe I don't have a smooth head. Maybe I should have shaved my whole head, not just that little circle where I thought the chip would go. Maybe I shouldn't have written the fan fiction about what it would be like to be Elon's first chip minions and the sort of antics we'd get up to in a big shared robotic home with Elon as our sort of like robot dad reaching his big hands in to sort of puppet us around and control us uh, through various different acts that he would need to play out in order to get over his like internalized trauma that we would be living for him by being small robot puppets in a sort of doll's house but dad's house ted now no no i do not want you to go down this road ted that fan fiction was good right it was fantastic it was beautiful it was tasteful it was funny had pictures like elon's a busy man i understand why he might not have read all 300 pages of your fan fiction but the pictures said we are ready and willing i'll roll over i'll do spins tumbles i'll learn to sit I learned to shake. And and crucially, Ted, I thought, you know, when I first saw this headline, I thought maybe Elon didn't want to give us the chip because he was like, it's too risky. I can't deprive the world of those two baby dads in the chance that something goes wrong. There's a very good chance they could die because we haven't tested this on any humans at all, just monkeys, and they all died. And it was gruesome. We tortured so many monkeys with the chip. You know, like maybe he wanted to spare our lives, but Ted, we made it so clear. We made it abundantly clear. We don't live for anything besides this. No, and you included that in your story. If he read to the end of your story, or if he had Zaya 12 read it to him, he would see the beautiful uh, ending that I thought made that very explicit, where at the end he does have to put us down. Yeah. Elon's just like, Tim and Ted have gone mad with the chip. I've got to do the only humane thing. I will miss you and your tenacity, your bravery. Marty Barber does have advanced so much farther for all of humanity to talk this last cousin and be gone with your laugh. And thank you. And then he takes us out back and then. <laughs>
SEAL Team 6. Yeah, well, because I think he uses us to test out his flamethrower, which is in our will. And that's that in is, our that's will. Canon. That's, that's what yeah. I want. So he couldn't have been worried about that. He knew. What's driving me crazy is, like, if he didn't give it to us, then who in the H did he give it to? Does the article say? No, no. It doesn't. It says details are scant. Ah. Uh, could be anybody. That could be freaking Marvin. It could be Randy. No, it's not Randy. You think Randy would shave his head to let the chip get in? Well, this, he's got those patches because of his haircut, his cool haircut. Cut. I know. Well, and then he's been back and forth and back and forth. He was bald and then he grew it out for Donna. And I hate his frosted tips. But I don't think he has the chip. Was it Gareth? No, I don't think so. Because he's been behaving completely normally. I mean, yeah. for him. Like, he's been behaving erratically, but a normal amount of erratic. Was it Pee No, it's definitely not Pastor Pee He's not left the parking lot. Things are too unstable. I mean, if he left the parking lot, Pastor Kieran would take total control. What about Darby? Did Darby get the chip? Darby! You know, because Darby, remember I told Darby, hey, Darby, Ted and I are getting the chip from Elon pretty soon, and he said, you'll die from that. That'll kill you. And I said, well, that's the point, Darby. You're just jealous. And he said, I'm not jealous. I have too much to live for. Like what? Literally yeah, I what? I was like, what, your band? Besides being, like, fabulously attractive. Yeah, and going back to grad school. Like, oh, sorry, Elon, I can't get the chip. I'm too busy. Too busy going back to grad school. I'm too busy going back to grad school. I'm going to become a mental health worker. Yeah. Because of my experience with my grief and the people in my life who need help and not knowing how to help them and wishing I had the tools to help them. And I'm just like, well, shut up, Marvin. You're never going to help him. He's too stupid. Oh, I'm going back to grad school to become a licensed professional counselor. It's going to take 3,000 hours, but I'm excited. Once I have that, I can have that career forever because there's no age limit on it. Mm, I'm sorry, but there is. Everyone wants a hot therapist, and that's law. Well, and, and, but here's the thing, though, Ted. He's hot in the way that he, you can tell he's going to age to be hotter. I know, I know. You know, some people, shout out. You remember when Marvin showed us that picture of him when he was younger? He was smoking. I know. What I mean, happened? like, you heard it here first, folks. Well, some people, they're beautiful as a young man, but... Doesn't last. It's like the rose. It's like the Beauty and the Beast rose, you know? You try to keep it in a glass jar, and eventually, you know, yeah. it gets Gaston. Like, Marvin, he's so disgusting right now, and it's even more painful knowing that he used to be quite attractive as a younger man. You know, it's like finding two giant pairs of feet in the desert. It's exactly like that. But Darby is still hot, and you can tell I think he's going to be a silver fox before too long. So, to recap, Darby doesn't have the chip because he's going to grad school to get his clinical license for counseling. Yeah, and he says he has too much to live for, and he says, quote, I don't want to die like one of those monkeys. Au contraire, to die like one of those monkeys would be the death of Odin. To Valhalla we would rise. You'd die the death of a martyr. But the problem is it could be anyone. It could be anyone on the street. I know. And I'll be looking around now, looking for them every day. It could be anyone. It could be you. could be you. Is it you? No, it's not me. I wouldn't get it without you. Two for one deal. Yeah, right, right. Like if Elon called you and was like, I have the only one chip... And I chose you, Ted. I, I choose death. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah, right. right. So if Elon <laughs> called you and he was like, hello, is us Tom? Yes. It's Marlon Musk. <gasps> you have my number saved. Your friend, Todd, sent me a story. It illustrated for Marv that you are the perfect candidate. However, I only have one chop. I, I Will you accept the chop? Your friend, Todd, is not a lad. I, I, I... I... I could never. I, I. It would be a betrayal. And yet, 
And yet, if I got the chip, perhaps then I could help develop another chip, and that would help Ted get a chip faster. I mean, and- exactly. You would be helping Hum by guarding the chop. But I promised him, but I, but I couldn't. But I come now. But wouldn't he want me to be happy? I mean, <laughs> I would want him to get the chip. What am I saying? I can't get the chip without Ted. I mean, we've had nothing to talk about, and yet, and yet, maybe we could communicate better than ever. You must decide, Tom. Do you accept or do you reject ma? Elon, you pose to me an impossible choice. A choice that is so difficult that it is, frankly, cruel. In fact, the Elon I know would never pose such a choice as this, because the Elon I know loves Tim and Ted and knows that they go together. This choice is itself a betrayal, and it exposes that you are not, in fact, Elon. It is Bill! It is Bill! You have seen my real face! In And then I would grab him by the neck, and I would squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. That's what I would do if Elon asked me if I wanted the chip. We're going to start the show? Yeah, let's start the show. Welcome to Tap Talk, your number one source for tap news, information, and gossip. I am one of your hosts, Tap Tim. I am Tap Ted. I think Marvin and Darby are probably waiting for an apology or something. I'm not going to say a word to them. <laughs> we were not in the wrong story of my life. I refuse. Here's what would have happened if they had had their first concert in a place where you and I weren't allowed. We would have shown up and said, oh, uh, hello to the valet. We would have said, park the Cybertruck, please, because we're here to watch our associates in a musical performance. Very good, sir. They would have said you and I would have gone inside. We would have taken our seat. We would have listened to the horrible music. Politely clapped. Would have said, keep practicing to the two of them as we left and then gone home. That's what could have happened. That's what could have happened if you had played your first gig as a band at a venue that we were allowed to go into. But uh, <laughs> Marvin and Darby, you chose the path of violence. Yes. We said this last week, having it at the Oaks Lodge was such a pointed decision. Very symbolic. Very, Very symbolic. symbolic. I mean, the Elks Lodge was the first place you and I were ever banned from. We were mere babes at the time. And I think that they chose their venue for their first ever premiere gig of their band strategically at a venue they knew we were banned from historically. That was kind of what made it a matter of honor that we do go. Oh, fie unto you. Think ye that we would not find a way to get into your gig? <laughs> Joke's on you, Darby and Marvin, because we are are experts of getting in places. Shout out Trojan H's. We've learned a thing or two about infiltration. So knowing that you two buffoons would have the audacity to host your premiere show there and knowing that we would need to hear it so that we could make fun of you. And support you. Two very plucky, not banned young interns showed up for their first day at work at the Elks Lodge. And uh, you could tell they were young because they were wearing incredibly trendy shirts that only a young person would wear, like Green Day American Idiot. The Mars Volter. Thank you for letting me wear your American Idiot shirt, Ted. I always wanted to wear it. They also had on very trendy skinny jeans. And an establishment as underrun as the Elks Lodge is always willing to put a few 
eager teens to work are washing dishes. Let's just say uh, the Elks Lodge is in no position to turn away two young men who are simply looking for a little bit of real-life work experience on their summer break from college. <laughs> Which I shouldn't have said that because it's February, and that, I think, did confuse them. I tried to explain them that it was summer where I'm from because I'm from France. Yes. Um, and that also, you know me with improv, sometimes I get carried away. But anyway, they didn't care because the Elks Lodge doesn't have any staff because everyone left because it smells like mold in there. Yes. Shout out the dishwashing situation. It's really wet. It's real wet. So happily, we went to work. And you might say, well, how could you see the concert if you were in the kitchen working for free cleaning dishes for the Stinky Elks Lodge? <laughs> oh, yeah, little faith. <laughs> nay, nay, nay. This is hours before the concert. Indeed. One does not simply show up for a concert to which you are banned. No. no. It is a long, long, lugubrious process. Indeed. Oh, and Ted, by the way, how was my slang? Oh, you were so fresh with Riz. Did you like when I told Mr. Jefferson that the smell of the Elks Lodge was on fleek. Did you like when I said, hey, Mr. Jefferson, I stand this place. No, full fresh. I'm a simp for yo. This place is tight AF. Mr. Jefferson, the Elks Lodge is giving a mold problem. It's well rank, Mr. J. Yo, Mr. J. We ran out of dish soap, Mr. J. What's the re-up on that, yo? Yo, Mr. J, the toilets are running constantly in the bathroom, and there's nothing hyphy about that. Yo, what's that fit, Mr. J? You look fresh to death. Yo, Mr. J, where can a young buck like myself cop a fit like that? Mr. J, give us the tea on your threads. Give it up. Give it up. If you don't want a 1v1 me, bro, battle royale, Tell me the deets and the tea now and where you got those sick threads. K okay, bye. Yo, Mr. J, I've heard of spilling the tea before, but you're spilling tea, you're spilling your drink everywhere because he's kind of shaky. Ooh, woo, Mr. J. Can I call you my little pug champ? Yo, Mr. J, you come into the kitchen and see me looking like this. W-Y-D. Naughty, naughty. Kawaii. Yeah, he was really, really confused. Yeah, which I think sells the young thing more. Mr. J... Real old. Like he looks a little bit like the bank manager in Twin Peaks. A lot like it, yeah. So we were in, and I think it helped that Mr. Jefferson really needed help, and I think also he's really old. And, again, the aforementioned mold problem, um, he's not all there. No, no, it's eaten at his brain. It was nice to see the, like, printed out security camera picture of us behind the bar, though. Oh, I know, What a Ted, nice honestly? moment. I left a little rose by it in memory. Well, and Ted, I was a little nervous. Like, we saw that picture, and I was like, uh-oh, our costumes are really good. But he's he going to see through us? But he, again, he was so out of it, and he kind of was just, at that point, he had fallen asleep sort of in his soup. Mm. So that was about 6 a.m., and the concert wasn't until 8 p.m., so... We had a lot of downtime. So we mainly just played Flappy Birds in the janitor's closet. Yeah, I played Crossy Road. And lo, soon the time approached. Indeed. And the second part of our plan was coming into focus. Now, listeners, you might be saying, oh, so you were just the dishwashers and then you just went to the show because you were already in the building? (laughs) (laughs) Being dishwashers got us in the building, but no one, and I mean no one, is going to let a couple of young punk dishwashers come to a concert. No. They would say, get back in the kitchen, you piggy. So, at 4.45 p.m., the timer that Ted had set on his iPhone went off. Beginning phase two. The first step was getting from the kitchen to the stage area. Now, this is going to be difficult. We're going to have to somehow get past Mr. Jefferson without him noticing. And so we changed into our intermediary disguise. 
to get from the kitchen to the stage area, we would masquerade as a pair of ghosts. Or old women. Yeah, I thought ghosts, but Ted wanted to do old women. So we just kind of decided that we would just meet in the middle. Well, yeah, we painted our skin a little bit paler and we wore white wigs. And we hobbled from the storage closet to the ballroom. Yeah, and I was going, ooh, and you were going, oh, I'm old. I think it worked. Well, Mr. Jefferson was still sort of asleep in his soup. He was out, yeah. So getting the 10 feet from the kitchen to the other room was no trouble at all. Indeed. And discarding our white wigs, we moved on to phase three. At 4.47, a ghost and an old woman entered the ballroom. Enter phase three. We had to cross the ballroom to the backstage area, and yet how could we get across the room without getting picked up by the cameras? If the cameras had been pointed precisely 12 degrees to the left, they would have seen at that precise moment an old woman get inside a rug be rolled up by a ghost and then rolled across the floor. How could I move through the room without being seen? Well, little known fact, the cameras at the Elks Lodge are black and white, and so if I were dressed in all black, I could not be seen. Luckily for me, Bronson has an all-black leather bodysuit, which would render me invisible. But what about your eyes and mouth, you say? Aha! Zippers over the eyes and mouth. Using only the sound of my voice to guide him. I rolled Ted up in the rug, lay down on the ground in my invisibility suit, and slowly like a worm inched along, pushing the carpet. If the camera, at that precise moment, had been manned by a single soul, which we're not sure it was. I don't think it was. No, I don't think anyone else works there. It would have seen a ghostly gimp and a suspiciously rolled carpet inch up the center aisle. Phase three, hashtag gimp worm and old woman carpet was complete. Phase four was about to begin. Getting through the doors at the other end of the ballroom and reaching the backstage area, I took off Bronson's bodysuit and removed the ball gag. The old woman stripped off her pantyhose. And I put back on my American Idiot shirt, just because I like it. Now it was 4.57, because it took quite a while to roll. I was really like kind of worming my way along. And the bands were arriving for load in at five, which gave us only three minutes to transform into the most crucial roles yet. Who is needed most at a concert? Who can you not do a concert without? Who has access to every square inch of the concert? (laughs) Roadies. Cunningly, I tore a sleeve on my Green Day shirt. I ripped my denim pants. I put on that long black wig that I borrowed from Gareth. I created a beer belly. I mean, you didn't need to. I padded the existing beer belly with more balloon. Yeah, it was quite bulbous. And then, of course, no roadie is complete without... The British accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, listeners, if you had been there, you would have rubbed your eyes in disbelief for before you, where there had previously been a gimp worm and an old woman, there were now two British roadies. All right. I was on stage with um, Neil Diamond one time. Neil came up to me. He whacked me really hard for literally no reason. I said, thanks, Neil. He said, no, thank you. I needed that. And I still got the mark on my face today. It's a diamond. I was on stage with Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, and I was the one who said, Hey, Frankie, just a thought. What if you sang it in an incredibly stupid and annoying voice? And the rest is history. I was on stage with Sid Vicious one time, and he spat into my open mouth. I was on stage in the mid-60s with an unknown young American guitarist name of Jimi Hendrix. He was playing terribly... I said, hey, other hand, mate. He switched the guitar around. The rest is history. 
I was on stage around the 80s. I was working in Minneapolis. And there, of course, was this very small, powerful young singer playing a song called When Doves Cry. And I said, geez, that bass guitar sounds pretty bad. One should take it out of the track. The rest is history. I was at the Marquee Club in 1963 with a group of young musicians who were making a right racket. I said, you've got a great sound. What do you call yourselves? They said, the Empire State Building of Dreams. I said, the who? And they said, oh, that's much better. The rest is history. And the rest is history. We did that for about... Uh Two hours. Yeah, because no one showed up for a long time. Yeah. We expected there to be a lot more load-in. Well, what they don't tell you about James Bond is that in between, like, all the amazing stunts, you know, when he's in a hall running down a facility and he's just around the corner from a cliff that he's got to climb, he'll just sit there for, like, an hour or maybe two being like, all right, Bond, you can do it. Come on, show up and be the come Bond. Come on, come on, come on. That everyone needs. Come on, you can do it. Don't You're be. James Bond. You're James, You're James Bond. Bond. You're, You're James, James Bond. Freaking Bond. Yeah, they don't show you the psych-up stuff because it's really sad. Yeah, they cut all that out. They cut the part in Goldfinger when there's the laser that's going to cut his privates. Yeah. They cut all the part where he's just like, oh, you did it this time, Bond. You really got into it this time. I've really cocked it up this time. Oh, how did I let this I happen? How did this. I let this I happen? This. Oh, it's okay. Breathe. Process. What oh, is the boy. feeling? Where is it in my body? Well, and shout out Q. They don't show you all the parts where he's like, a pen? What am I going to do with a pen? Q? Oh, uh, I need a gun need or a something. Gun. I need a gun. And Q's like, 007, you will think you'll find that the pen is the gun. And he goes, oh, what? Wow. Wow. Oh, my Dang, gosh. How'd it get so what? small? Oh, my gosh. An invisible car. Whoa. 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 Money Penny, did you know about this? They also don't show him crying after he has S, which is all to say that there's a lot of waiting involved in a really exciting heist. Yes. We gave us time to shape our characters, which I think was important. And sure enough, at 7 p.m., the musicians started to appear. Indeed. And they were greeted by two very professional, very British roadies. Oh, hand me your guitar there, mate. I'll take that. And, you know, they weren't happy about that. No, because I think. That they don't have roadies there usually. Yeah. And also, they just didn't have much stuff. I mean, you got to understand, these are dads who are literally playing just for other dads, and they have, like, an amp. Yeah, they're just going to play moon dance. They don't need anyone to carry anything, but we carried we it. We carried it anyway. And I had to get a little rough with them. You think you're better than Brian May? Hey. And they said, well, don't drop it. And I said, well, I might. So we sort of forcefully loaded in everyone's stuff, just because... If we weren't doing roadieing, then it wouldn't have made any sense why we were there. Indeed. At this point, we entered the most delicate phase of the operation. Because Marvin and Darby have seen our roadie costumes many times. Yeah. I love to be a roadie around the house. Yeah. And I think for a while there, we both kind of tried to take it on as a new personality, just because we both thought it was a little more interesting than our actual personalities. Yeah. You know, did the whole, like, Tim and Ted, oh, don't know, right? don't, don't, know, ring, a bell, ring, a don't ring a bell. Doesn't ring a bell to me. Um, did they uh, hang around Shepherd's Bush? Or well, they're hanging around the Peckham Flea Market. Oh, uh, you know what? I think I saw them selling some really nice Persian rugs on Portobello Road once. You know, and they didn't buy it then. No. They said, just knock it off off. You're standing on my foot. So the first few bands played while we were the roadies, and they all stunk. Horrible. Yeah, Horrible. bad stinkers. There was that one group that just played Moondance. Yeah, over and over. Well, and to be fair, the audience loved it. Yeah, they did. And the ballroom was full, by the way. Yeah, there was tons of people. This has been on the calendar for a long time, so I think a lot of dads had asked their wives to plan dates with their boyfriends. 
So all the dads were out. And they loved Moondance. I mean, they demanded two encores of Moondance. And the dads were grinding to it. But Marvin and Darby were nowhere to be found. We knew that they would not be there until their 10 o'clock set, as they had a previous appointment. Let's just say they got a call from their landlord <laughs> wanting to do a house inspection right at 9 p.m. Therefore, they would have to show up precisely at 9.45 for a 15-minute load-in. <laughs> giving us exactly enough time to change into our next outfit. Now, this was crucial. We needed to transition into something that would allow us to see them, but to not be seen. We need to obscure the visage. Now, Ted and I had slightly different ideas as to how to go about this. I thought the yep. best thing would be if we were to change into, like, eyes-wide-shut-style perverts. Because of the masks. Yeah, but I was less into that because that's like most of my work life. So I decided that I would probably be a mannequin. So I sort of just brought a plinth and stood on it in a dark corner. With a mask, crucially. Yeah, absolutely. We shed our roadie clothes and a slight miscalculation. The curtain was open and so you could see us from the audience, which would have sort of blown everything. But um, but the band was still playing Moondance and the dads were lost in the moonlight. Thank you, Dan Morrison. Thank you, Dan. The dads were just moving and grinding. And so no one noticed that we took off all of our clothes and put on new clothes. So I changed into my Eyes Wide S perverts outfit and you changed into your mannequin and we took our positions. Me positioned in the corner on a plinth overlooking still as an angel above everyone. And I went up to the balcony where, as the Grand Vizier, I would be overseeing the perversion beneath. Positioned that we were in two corners of the room, both obscured in darkness, our subjects, Marvin and Darby, walked through the back loading door. Now, a cunning detail of our plan was that from the balcony I could see Ted, which allowed me to receive the signal of their arrival. I crowed like a rooster. And I crowed back. And we crowed back and forth for a bit. And yet, in the throngs of moon dance, no one could hear the calling. Not even Marvin and Darby. Yeah, also I think they were really nervous. Yeah. And PO'd because of the whole landlord thing. Now, here's another thing working to our advantage. Marvin plays the keyboard and insists on hauling his Nord with weighted keys the entire way. Meanwhile, Darby has... 30 different pedals for his bass. Overkill anyone? They needed time to patch in and set up. Ironically, they needed roadies. Indeed. And they were so distracted by all the S they were carrying around. Also, Moondance was playing. The dads were all kind of moaning and groaning. Mm -hmm. Then Marvin set his Nord down and it tipped over and fell. And he got really upset about that. Yeah. Anyway, this allowed us the perfect cover to move into our final position. The audience. <laughs> Uh, of course, the question is, how were we to move from backstage in the balcony down into the seating area? This called for another intermediary costume. I disguised myself as a German hiker. And I, a vampire count. With a jolly smile, I hiked down from the balcony as you slipped like a wraith through the backstage and we met front and center, just as the last band before Marvin and Darby concluded their fourth rendition of Moondance. Now was our time, and yet... You and I were not in our final costume. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> As Marvin and Darby loaded all of their stupid junk onto the stage, loop pedals, two different bass amps for some reason. Guitar stand for all the different basses. Lamest of all stands for the sheet music. And two stools. They sat down. Like you're only playing two songs. You couldn't remember the lyrics and the chords for two songs. Yeah. It was pathetic. But I did not mind because, Ted, I was simply shaking with anticipation. Mm -hmm. They stepped out and addressed the audience. Oh, 
all. We're really excited to be here tonight. Um, thanks so much. We're the Parking Lot Players, and uh, we got a couple new songs for you. And that was our cue to reveal our final outfit, our true form. Enter the Zoot Suit. We ripped off our clothes. And it would have been nice if underneath them we had zoot suits, but obviously we didn't because we had to change. Yeah, many times. So we ripped off our clothes and then we put on our zoot suits. In the middle of the audience while they tried to start playing. Yeah, well, and they they saw it was us right away because we did actually also say, Hi, Marvin and Darby, it's us. Excited to see you play. Break a leg. Yeah. My problem was I was wearing a new zoot suit. This is on me. I had not broken in my zoot suit. It was stiff. It was really stiff. I think that that article in Zoot Suit Monthly was sort of more clickbait than it was useful information about the downsizing, (sighs) you know, the opposite of room to move. Yeah, well, I was so worried, Ted, when Zoot Suit Monthly went online this year Mm. because I think that online just brings with it this imperative to publish sometimes scandalous or edgy articles just for the sake of the clicks. Right, they're not thinking about the magazine as a whole. They're thinking literally about ad revenue now. And I think it's, it's... it's led to Zoot Suit Monthly just not having the same cohesion. Utility. You know? Yeah, no. I mean, a lot of the stuff they're publishing now, it's another top 10 list of like top 10 fabrics. Yeah. Biggest chains. Or just like a lot of stupid like polls. Like, who do you prefer? You know, Squirrel Nut Zippers or the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. You know? And I'm just like... Cherry Poppin'. Yeah, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, obviously. So yeah, it's too bad. And I went for one of those pants they recommended and they... I'm sorry, they just... They really didn't serve me at all. Yeah, but I... You eventually got them on, but only upside down. By that time i'd already stage dive yeah well you had gotten on stage and you kind of had one leg of your pants on and you had your big hat on and you you did do a stage dive i don't think the audience was quite ready to catch you thank you for trying though i appreciate you trying to catch me well and that one guy you fell on got really po'd and so you whacked him i slapped him in his face he started yelling at me and, and i i just held one cheek and i slapped the other one i said bad no. Yeah, and then the guy sort of said, hey, don't hit that guy. He just got divorced. And I said, shut, shut up. up, you. And I hit him with my uh, watch on a chain. I swung it around my head like one of those old-fashioned slingshots. Shout out David and Goliath. Yeah. And I tried to hit that guy, and it did. I, I uh, My hands were really sweaty, obviously, from the zoot suit being so hot. And so the watch chain flew out of my hand, and it did bonk Darby pretty bad. I tripped over, because the pants are hard to get on, I tripped over and head-butted the person next to me who fell into someone else. I think your problem was you were so excited to wear your big hat that you put it on first. Yeah. And that makes putting on the shirt really hard. I sort of ended up windmilling, sort of cap around. I crash-tackled the people who were hassling you. Yeah, thank you for that, You're by welcome. the way. Well, I just wanted to get my zoot suit on, and I needed your help with that, too, because the buttons are so big, you need two pairs of hands. Yeah, well, by that time, I was tumbling with those guys we were fighting in a ring and that couple of the dads were still dancing to moon dance yeah if you've seen a like a hardcore concert like when knocked loose plays and all those like antida dads jump around like punching each other yep it was like an involuntary version of that yeah and at this point i saw my opportunity i took my suspenders and i'm glad i got the longer suspenders i used them to sort of like tie that one guy to the post Mm -hmm. and so it kind of was a little bit of a mosh pee situation yeah so when mr j came in spraying everyone. Yeah, he came in with the fire extinguisher and I thought it was because he knew it was us and was trying to get rid of us, but he definitely didn't know who we were and didn't know maybe who he was and I think he had a little bit of mold madness. Mm-hmm. He was just all the way gone and he came in and started spraying everyone with the fire extinguisher. At that point it got kind of fun. That broke something in most people. People got into it. It was like one of those phone parties you told me about that Bronson and Stefan and Sarah have. For some of them, And yeah. this is where, if I can offer a bit of constructive criticism for uh, Marvin and Darby. Sure. If they had rolled with it, they could have absolutely won the night, I think. 
Because, yes. I mean, people were punching each other and slipping around and dads were just screaming and there was foam and like people were taking off their clothes. If at that point with all that going on, Marvin and Darby had deemed to stop playing their BS original songs and just started playing Smash Mouth. Oh my gosh, Smash Mouth. Are you or, kidding um, me? Crossroads by Cream. Crossroads by Cream. Crossroads. That's what I would have done. And I tried to do that. I tried to get up and take Darby's bass yep. and play Crossroads by Cream, but I couldn't. So I just started singing it. Just started going ding, 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 ding. Because someone had to do something. They were killing the vibe. Uh, the vibe was going off. Mr. J was spinning on the spot, blasting all the dads with foam. They hated it and then they loved it. And then they loved it. And Marvin and Darby just. I mean, look, I admire their commitment to their really bad songs, but they were over-rehearsed. That's what I think it was. Yeah, they couldn't pivot. And too many lyrics. Way too many lyrics. Just those kind of songs where you're like, there's no bridge, there's barely a chorus. It's just like 10 verses of you saying things. Potentially, abstractly, I see you indefinitely across the room. We were just three, you, me, and my indecision. Too much. Too thought-provoking. I have enough of my own thoughts I'm trying not to think about. And I think the other issue is Marvin's just doing too much on the keyboard. Scale, scale, scale. We get it. You know more than the pentatonic scale. We get it. Marvin, you're in a band with dads. Just play the blues. That's all you need. and the truth. Come on, boys. And also Darby, shout out, note for Darby on his singing. If you're a white middle-aged dad singing in a band, you need to sing like this. Well, I woke up this morning. That's how white dads sing. That's how white dads sing. Yeah! I got the Memphis blues again. I caught a train. Hitchhike, yeah. Gonna get lost and lose my brain. Yeah, I'm a rambling dad. Yeah! That's how you sing as a dad. You don't do his like, when I was sitting in the corner, I was looking across the room. I saw you look my way. I felt my inner wound. Oh, you hurt me so bad. Well, I saw you across the desert, and I knew you were the one. And I rode towards you one time, and I thought it was quite fun. Oh, desert lady, desert lady, desert lady, let me see the flower of your mind. I'm afraid I'm running out of time. I'm afraid I'm running out of time. And he tried to get everyone singing. Come on, everyone. I'm afraid I'm running out of time. And the dads were just, it was a nude brawl beneath. So it's a good time. Great time. We left. We got out of there then because it did start to turn. Yeah, we just left. The thing is, at a certain point, it's like our operation was a success. What else is there to say? Saw the show. It was BS. We'll give them notes later. And I just want to say, Marvin and Darby, you know, uh, we could have saved ourselves an awful lot of trouble if you just let me and Ted in the band. Seriously. Let us in the band. It's really not that hard, boys. So yeah, that was it. A yeah. uh, great time. A really huge, huge success. And it felt, it felt good to just, you know, Prove the haters wrong. Yeah, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. And hey, um, Tim. Yeah. You know, I uh, just want to point out, and it's not a big deal. Didn't hear you say ho 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 once this episode. Just, just need to point that out. Yeah, I um, I don't, I can't say that anymore. Oh. Yeah. What happened? It's fine. I, it's fine. I um, I, I was bad. I was bad. I misbehaved, and it got back to Marcus and Greg in the forever. Christmas community that I wore my zoot suit. Oh. And I'm really not supposed to, you know, if you're a forever Santa, I I mean, forever is forever. And you're really not supposed to not wear your Santa outfit. And so, 
you know, and I, I made an allowance. I made a, I took what I thought was a calculated risk just because I thought it was really important to go to the show and support our friends. And, and I wanted mm. to wear my zoot suit because you were going to be wearing mm. yours. And, um, and I thought they maybe wouldn't find out, but of course they found out Santa knows who's naughty and who's nice famously. Wow. And so they found out. And um, Jeez, I'm so sorry. No, it's a fine. It's fine. It's all good. I'll be. I'll. Uh, I'll work my way back up. I can't say ho 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 at the moment though because you're an elf. I'm an elf. Yeah, I got demoted. Yeah. So now you and Ben are both elves. I'm an elf. Yeah, I'm an elf. Okay. <laughs> what would Santa be without his elves? You know, it's it's a, it's it's right. It's right. It's right. So. so. What do elves say if they can't say ho ho ho? Elves do not speak unless they are spoken to. Well, that's all the time for this week's show, everybody. Great show, Ted. Lots of tep. Security cameras. Also, Apple Pro Vision 3 being launched. A very exciting. Oh, my gosh. Apple Google Glass is out officially, folks. Hey, next week is going to be our hands-on review. Yes. Uh, can't wait because we did order 14 of them in the mail, if you remember. That's true. Although, Ted, remember you lost all your money. No, I got my money back. I know, but I'm just wondering, like, the order got canceled initially because we oh. lost all of our money to our we gave our money to our online girlfriends, and then Ooh. we were with Smash Mouth Man. I wonder if it canceled my credit card. You know what, though, Ted? Hey, we could definitely go to the Apple Store and touch one. I think that's going to need another disguise. Maybe Pepe and Borgiorno have a big shipment of a fresh baker bread for the Apple Store. Anyone want a ciabatta? We're going to touch the Apple Google Glass, and we are going to have our hands-on review and next week for you on Tep Talk. Yeah, and you're welcome. All right, bye, everybody. Oh, Ted, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about those shirts that Corey made. Oh, yeah. I thought they were complimentary. Like, you know, it says baby dad. Yeah. And then it turns out his fans are wearing them as a joke. Oh, that's disgusting. I, I just, he has turned a lot of his career around on us. I'm nervous about him. This is last year of high school. He's doing college tours this spring with his mom. Wow, where's he going to go? Maybe he wants to go canoeing at Middlebury. I think he'd love to go to Middlebury because his friend, what's his name, who runs the coffee shop is going there, but Seth would never let them buy him a Subaru because Seth likes Jeeps and he can't go to Middlebury if he doesn't have a Subaru. So I right, think it's kind a of kayak. a kayak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Seth is just like, Seth will buy him a bow, but he yeah. won't buy him a kayak. Well, maybe he needs a pair of fisherman's pants and needs to go do contact improv at Bennington. He would be great at contact improv. I mean, Lord knows he beats the shit out of me.